You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Whether you're listening on your favorite podcast provider or watching here on YouTube, thank you so much for taking the time. Remember that we're here with you every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. On today's episode, we'll start off with Saints wide receiver Jawan Johnson, who's eyeing a potential transition to tight end, according to Nick Underhill. We'll talk about why this would be a very, very good idea for the wide receiver. Then we'll take a look at a new spring league that's looking to make its return this time, though, the USFL, which was fundamental in the New Orleans Saints original golden era. So we'll talk about the USFL and we'll revisit its effect on New Orleans Saints football. And then we'll wrap up with our top three Thursday discussing top three non-position battle storylines heading into training camp, including the potential return of some fan favorites. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, co-managing editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL Podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. Alright y'all, as we get started with today's episode, just a quick reminder for those of you that may be finding the show for the first time, make sure you subscribe or follow depending upon how and where you're taking the show in so that you're notified whenever the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. We're technically in the midst of the off season right now, but the show will continue to be five days a week aside from a day here and there that I might take to get a little bit of extra rest. But I want to get started with today's episode and open up with Juwan Johnson, who absolutely should want to undergo the position change to tight end. It's no question to me. And according to Nick Underhill in a piece that he published yesterday at neworleans.football, there is potential there for him to do that. And he's preparing in case that's what the New Orleans Saints ask him to do over the course of training camp. At six foot four, 230 pounds, he'd be on the shorter side when it comes to tight ends for the New Orleans Saints, or really he'd be right in the middle kind of. I mean, you think about the fact that really the shortest tight end that they've had in the building over the last more than handful of years was Ben Watson at six foot two. Outside of that, he's a bit above that, and he's just shorter than where Jared Cook was as well. So at six foot four, two thirty, he just needs to bulk up a little bit in terms of the weight side of that conversation. But if he does that, he would be a pretty good fit for the Saints at tight end in terms of what their prototype might be. Now, the reason why I say that this would be a really good opportunity for Jawan Johnson is simply that the wide receiver room is really crowded with players that meet the same type of potential that he does, right? Lil Jordan Humphrey, kind of the same type of player that Juwan Johnson is, a bigger guy that can also block, that can play special teams, but has a, actually a little bit of giddy up after when he gets the ball in his hands, surprisingly, as we've seen in a couple of preseason moments. But look, he's somebody, Juwan Johnson, that kind of can fade into the background a little bit when you have other guys who can also block who can also block in the run game, who can play in line like Traquan Smith can, who can catch uh, contested passes, which is something that Juwan Johnson has struggled with. It's going to be a little bit tough for him to separate himself from this wide receiver room that includes those two names that we just mentioned and Lil Jordan Humphrey, as well as Traquan Smith, but also Marquez Calloway, who packs much of the same punch and some very dynamic players like Deontay Harris and the newly drafted Kwan Baker, who are going to be coming in this season as well, along with Jalen McCleskey, who signed this offseason. So when you look at where Juwan Johnson can set himself apart amongst the wide receivers, 
it's a little bit tougher, but he might be able to help to set himself apart when it comes to playing the tight end role as a pass catcher. Now, I mentioned that Jawan Johnson struggled with contested catches. He did that particularly his final year in college, 33% contested catch rate. Not great for a guy that's six foot four, but if you can get him in there and, and you know get some work done with him and help him improve in that category, that could certainly help him when it comes to being a tight end. But if you look at his relative athletic score, which you know that the Saints care very much about when it comes to the NFL draft, Johnson's wide receiver RAS score is 6.5, basically. But then when you transition him over to the tight end position and you compare his combine numbers to tight ends over the last several years, then you bump him up to a 7.74. So he ends up bumping up there and being elite specifically in the speed category where he ran a 4.58 coming into the NFL. He also had a 33-inch leap, so he was able to kind of bolster himself in terms of explosiveness as well. But again, it was the size, particularly his weight, that ended up notching him down and then only the 14 uh, bench reps, but that tends to happen when you have long arms. So if they can bulk him up or if he's that might be what he's focusing on here over the course of the offseason to help with that transition, that should pay dividends for him in terms of being able to catch on with the team, not just as a practice squad member, but potentially as the third, maybe even second tight end, depending upon how Nick Vanette pans out in this offense. Now, Jawan Johnson will still have competition there, right? He'll be playing a natural tight end or he'll be sort of battling a natural tight end like Dylan Sainer, who's coming in as an undrafted free agent out of Iowa State, who fits very much the Iowa State uh, Josh Hill mold, but can do a little bit extra as well as a pass catcher. So it's still going to be tough, right? It doesn't make the journey easy for Jawan Johnson, but certainly competing at the tight end position where there are so many sort of unknowns at the position right now in terms of the players that are in that tight end room and in that position room, it does make it a little bit easier than what he would experience trying to battle his way through a very crowded wide receiver room at the moment. So we'll continue to keep up with Juwan Johnson, see if they do indeed ask him to transition his position, and if so, how that ends up panning out for him as training camp gets started. But we're going to be talking more about training camp as we wrap up the show with top three non-position battle storylines, specifically things that affect the fans. But first, we're going to talk a bit about the return of the USFL and why that is such an important league in the New Orleans Saints history. We'll talk about that in a bit of a throwback Thursday segment coming up next to continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So you've probably heard of Credit Karma and what they've done to help people make better financial decisions. And now they want to help in another way with the Credit Karma Money Spend account. This is basically a debit account that ends up rewarding you for good money habits. This is pretty cool. So it opens up essentially as a checking account, and then you can end up winning cash reimbursements on the purchases that you make. So all you have to do is pay with your Credit Karma money debit card, and then you'll be notified on the spot if you end up winning a reimbursement that's going to come right back to your spend account, and then you can use that money elsewhere. This is an FDIC insured spend account that you can open up for free, no fees attached in terms of opening it up, and there's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs all over the place. So right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open up your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Once again, that's creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for a free account and start winning instant karma today. Creditkarma.com slash win money. 
Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services are provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And with all of that cash that you're being reimbursed, you may as well do something nice for yourself and take care of your vehicle. Make sure you can still get from point A to point B without any trouble. One of the best ways to make sure that you're taking care of your vehicle and not breaking the bank at the same time is going to rockauto.com, which you can do from the comfort of your own home. You don't even have to get up and go to one of those brick and mortar shops that are going to upcharge you like crazy, disappear for 20 minutes at a time to tell you that they came back with the wrong part. Anyway, you're going to be able to find exactly what you need for exactly the vehicle that you have, no questions asked at fractions of the price of what you're going to pay at any of those chain stores anyway. And they have an expansive catalog to make sure that you're covered no matter what type of a vehicle you drive. You just head to the website, you put in your make, your model, your year, let them know what parts you need, and then you get several options that you can pick from and then have it shipped directly to your door without any hassle at all. And again, you end up paying 30, 50, 70% of the price that you might pay at the store around the corner. So check them out, rockauto.com. Don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section right below the shipping information at checkout. That's writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Right, Houdat Nation. Now, when I talk about the golden era of New Orleans Saints football, what do you think about? Probably think about the recent past, right? Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Super Bowl trophy in 2009, all of that rightfully so. <laughs> That's exactly what you probably should think about. What if I told you that there was a pre-Payton golden era? Well, there was, and some of you might have lived through it. Some of us did not. Some of us know about it. Some of us don't know as much about it. So I wanted to talk about it for today's episode because Something interesting happened today. This morning, as we were all waking up, news had broken that the USFL was returning in spring of 2022. Now, not a lot of information around what it's going to be, dates, things like that. We know it's going to be eight teams. We know that all of that information is coming soon. We know some of the folks that are involved in its you know, rebuild and things like that. But the USFL is on its way back. The reason why this is important is because the pre-Payton golden era that existed for the New Orleans Saints was largely due to the United States Football League, the USFL, which is on its way back. So let's talk a little bit about how this all went down. So the original USFL existed from 1983 to 1986. They had three seasons over at that time. It was a competitive league with the NFL, but it ended up liquidating in, two, in uh, 1986. That was about the same time that a huge transition had happened for the New Orleans Saints. They had been, you know, they had been established in 1967. Up to that point, no winning seasons. And so they had this big change, right? Ownership change into Tom Benson, rest in peace, who, of course, his wife, Gail Benson, now owns the team at this point. He hired Jim Finks as general manager, who would go on to eventually be a Hall of Famer. And Jim Finks decided he wanted to bring a winning mentality to the New Orleans Saints. And in doing so, he hired head coach Jim Mora. Now, many of us remember Jim Mora because of his incredible rants. The um, the uh, Saints Happy Hour podcast just did an incredible ranking of his rants. I highly recommend going to check that out. But they also took the time, or Jim Mora, you know, diddly poo and all this other stuff that he talked about. We can't, we can't forget that he was the best head coach in the USFL. All three of those seasons, 83, 84, and 85, he took his team to the championship. 
to the championship and won that when won that championship in 84 and 85 the last two that was of course with the Philadelphia Stars who ended up moving to Baltimore in 85 now when Jim Mora got to New Orleans he inherited Ricky Jackson who had been drafted by the New Orleans Saints in 1981 he had already been a pro bowler in 83 84 and 85 so he was already on an upward trajectory they drafted Pat Swilling to go on the opposite side of him in 86 but they weren't done building what would then go on to become one of the most prolific defenses in the NFL, or at least prolific defensive units, and certainly one of the most feared linebacker units in the NFL, the Dome Patrol. Because when uh, Jim Mora came over to New Orleans to coach the Saints, he brought with him linebacker Sam Mills, who also played with the Philadelphia slash Baltimore Stars during his time. And became a Saints Hall of Famer uh, over the course of his career. And they also ended up bringing in from the Jacksonville Bulls in the first round of the supplemental draft, Vaughn Johnson. So that's the way that all four of those guys came together, specifically in 1986, where they already had Ricky Jackson. They drafted Pat Sewing, and then they brought Jim Moore, excuse me, Jim Moore. Well, they did bring Jim Moore, but then they also, but Jim Moore brought Sam Mills and uh, Vaughn Johnson over from the USFL. The Dome Patrol would then go on to be the most feared linebacker unit in the NFL from 86 to 92, with all four of those linebacker members making the Pro Bowl in 1992. Now, we'll do another one of these over the course of the offseason and talk about how just really, really good and how ridiculously good the Dome Patrol was. But let's continue to talk about the USFL effect on the New Orleans Saints, because it didn't stop over on the defensive side. They ended up getting a leader on the offense as well. So along with stitching up that defense, they also ended up bringing from the USFL Bobby Hebert. Now, Bobby Hebert and Jim Moore knew each other from the USFL, but not because they played together, but because of how often they played against one another. Bobby Hebert was actually the opposing quarterback going up against the Stars in two of those championship games that Jim Moore coached for the Stars. Now, Jim Moore won two of those. Bobby Hebert won the first one of those, was also the league's inaugural MVP before coming to New Orleans. And, and of course, he's he's from Louisiana as well. So he ended up joining Mora and the Saints in 1986, ended up winning the starting position by 1987. And then, of course, in 1987, the, the Saints produced their first ever winning season. So huge, huge benefit there getting Bobby Hebert out of the USFL as well. But they also brought in another Louisiana native in Buford Jordan, who's a part of Louisiana Hall of Fame, not the Saints Hall of Fame, but the Louisiana Football Hall of Fame. He ended up uh, playing for the New Orleans Breakers. Yes, there was a New Orleans USFL team. It was called the Breakers. They ended up moving to Portland in 85. But after the 80 or going into the 86 season, rather, Buford Jordan ended up joining the New Orleans Saints. He was acquired by the Saints, even though he was actually drafted in a supplemental draft at an earlier point. I believe it was in 84 by another team. Didn't matter. He ended up in New Orleans. And he ended up playing with New Orleans from 86 to 92. And that, of course, is your golden era right there. Bobby Hebert was a starting quarterback. That's when the Dome Patrol was at its peak through 91, 92. And then, as I mentioned, in 92, they all went to the Pro Bowl. And we'll talk a little bit more about that run of seven seasons here in just a second as well. But I also want to mention that uh, Derek Kennard, as well as John Forcate and Antonio Gibson all also came over to the New Orleans Saints from the USFL, Kennard uh, and, and uh, 4K at a later point, Gibson right off the bat, and they all ended up playing at some point with the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints ended up rebuilding everything here in 1986. By 1987, they had had their first winning season in franchise history since being inducted in 1967 or established in 1967. During that era and during that stretch, they had seven winning seasons, or excuse me, seven non-losing seasons. So they avoided losing seasons for seven years from 87 to 93, right? So 86 to 92, right in the heart of that. 
five winning seasons, four playoff appearances, and won their first ever division title in 1991. And all of that started with the USFL, which is set to return in spring of 2022. So will this iteration of the USFL have as much of an effect on NFL teams, particularly the New Orleans Saints, as it did in the 80s? Probably not. I mean, we've seen a lot of these, the AAF, the XFL, about to make its third return at this point, all trying to get this done, but so far haven't really been able to do it. But we'll see if maybe the branding of the USFL and the return of it as a you know multi-year league in the past might be able to help it out. But really fun to take that little trip down memory lane. And we'll do that again later on in the offseason here as we continue through and talk a little bit more about the Dome Patrol because I'm always very excited to do that. And I'll get a good friend of mine to come through and help with that as well. So as we continue on with today's episode here in just a moment, we're going to talk about top three training camp stories that don't have anything to do with position battles as we continue on, but are all about some fan favorite moments. We'll talk about that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. If you haven't already, go and check out betonline.ag. I'm sure when the USFL opens up, there will be lines for the USFL because BetOnline covers everything. They cover reality TV, they cover game shows, and of course, any sport, including esports as well, if that happens to be your thing. And if it does, you can go sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag. Now, the account is free, and then you'll put down a little bit of money so that you can get started and get in on the action. And when you do that, let me help you out a little bit, give you a 50% welcome bonus on top of that first deposit. So if your first deposit is $200, then they'll give you a free $100 to go on top of that in free play. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, when you put down that first deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode. It is Thursday, so it is time for Top 3 Thursday. We do this every Thursday. So I wanted to talk about the top three camp storylines that don't have anything to do with position battles. We've talked about position battles, and of course, we'll continue to talk about position battles. But I want to talk a little bit about what else is going on, particularly some fan favorite moments, because some fan favorites could be and should be returning to uh, training camp, New Orleans Saints training camp this summer. So let's start off with Number three, which is going to be fans attending training camp and what that's going to look like. So, of course, this is a fan favorite. Fan participation at training camp has been a hallmark for NFL teams and, of course, is a huge benefit for New Orleans Saints, for the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Saints fans as well. So we've heard from the NFL that they plan on that July 31st date being the date that or July 30th, one of those two, being the date that fan activities and training camp open across the NFL. Now, some teams will start early, those that play in the, you know, that open the season September 9th, those that play early on in the uh, pro, in the uh, Hall of Fame game to open up the preseason, they'll all begin a little bit earlier. But for the New Orleans Saints, they'll start a little bit later. But what is it going to look like, I think is going to be the big storyline, right? Because you have to imagine that some distance between fans and players will still be required. Some distance amongst fans will still be required. Um, How they handle autographs in that situation, the potential to meet players in that situation. Because remember, a good portion of New Orleans Saints players will spend an hour, hour and a half out on the field walking around the perimeter of the practice field to say hi to people. You know, uh, Caden Ellis, who joins the show, he 
talks about how he makes sure that he stays out there until he has said hi to everybody that he can. Like he'll just do the full perimeter before he ends up going back. And sometimes that'll take an hour, hour and a half. But is that going to be possible in this environment that is still, you know, in the midst of vaccinations and all these other things? I don't want to call it post pandemic because it's really not yet, but there's still a lot of question marks because of kind of the gray area that we're all in and the way that we feel about it. So that's going to be a very interesting storyline to track is how is this going to look with fans being able to attend training camp? Number two, I want to talk about Michael Thomas, but I also want to talk about who's going to be the standout wide receiver, the big hype train wide receiver opposite him as well. So not the same thing as a position battle. Michael Thomas, first and, first and foremost, is a ton of fun to watch at training camps. If you haven't been to a training camp before, it's worth taking the advantage of being able to go this season just to see Michael Thomas in camp because he is full speed, full go at all times and loves the competition of training camp. So it's always a ton of fun to watch him and Marshawn Lattimore go head to head. Of course, iron sharpens iron, but it's fun to watch him go head to head with any corner that's up in front of him. He is a ton of fun to watch, whether it's in seven on sevens, 11 on 11s or one on ones. You can't miss it. And of course, he's coming in with a bounce back season here after an injury hampered season in 2020. And he's always good for, you know, several highlights throughout the training camp process. So go see those live if you get the opportunity. And then the other thing you don't want to miss live is the hype train. The hype train at the wide receiver position is an absolute staple for Saints training camp, whether it's Brandon Coleman, whether it's Emmanuel Butler or whomever, you're going to see somebody, Marquez Callaway last year, somebody's going to step up during training camp and make some big plays and everyone's going to fall in love with the player. Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Kawan Baker, Deonta Harris, Jake Lampman, and Jalen McCleskey, all currently on the roster, and potentially even Juwan Johnson, who we talked about in the very first segment, who could potentially be making the change over to tight end. But if he doesn't, then he could be a big camp highlight with the wide receivers. But we've also seen tight ends stand out as well. Some of you might remember Western Kentucky tight end Dion Yelder, who had a really nice camp, but still didn't make the team, which tends to happen sometimes. And of course, the preseason standouts often tend to be running backs. Divina Zigbo, uh, you can look at, um, oh, who was the other? Oh, Boston Scott, of course. So, you know, we always end up seeing them. Who's going to be that guy? Oh, and you know what? I'll even throw Ty Montgomery into that wide receiver standout battle too. It's going to be very interesting and very fun to see how that goes. And then lastly, and number one, an absolute fan favorite, uh, quarterback competitions. Are we going to see quarterback competitions post Drew Brees? We only got about a handful of them last year with the pandemic and everything that was going on. But are we going to see those come back this year? Who's going to lead them? Is Drew Brees going to come back for them? Or better question, how many times is Drew Brees going to come back with them? I know that when I graduated high school, I was that guy that went back to the high school for probably the year after to still see friends. I have to imagine that Drew Brees will make his return to training camp pretty often over the course of you know his the season immediately following his retirement. So is he going to be a part of quarterback competitions? Who's going to win the most? And how is that going to affect the public perception of the Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill quarterback battle? <gasps> so many different things going on when it comes to the quarterback competitions because they're always good for entertainment and they're always good for speculation and fun on social media. So those are my three things. How, what is it going to look like with fans attending Michael Thomas and the standout receivers and then the quarterback competitions, the three non-position battle training camp stories that I'm very much looking forward to as the New Orleans Saints in the NFL get ready for training camp at the end of July. All right, y'all, don't forget to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show as well as the Locked On Today show to get your national perspective on the NFL and 
on the entire sports world, respectively, when it comes to Locked On today. And they do it in less than 20 minutes with host Peter Bukowski. A lot of great stuff you can find on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Coming up tomorrow, it's Facebook Friday, so we'll get your questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked On Saints. And you can also submit your questions through YouTube as well in the comment section below. So get your questions in for tomorrow's episode, and I'll try to get through as many as I can. We'll also shout out for Five Star Friday, and we'll take a look at the stories and news that you need to know around your New Orleans Saints as we continue on throughout the offseason here on Locked on Saints. As always, I thank you so much for everything that you do to help support the family here and grow this Locked on Saints family. I appreciate y'all very, very much for all the love and all the support. You can always find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.